So we are at uh, week five. We've gone through four weeks of our unit. One, Jesus changes everything. You believe that? Yes. yes. We've experienced that, right? Yes. Jesus is the only one that can change anything. So we have seen uh, so far, session one, Jesus calls. Yes. He always does. The point being, following Jesus is a life-changing adventure, and you're invited. And you're challenged to take the invitation. Session two, Jesus teaches. Yes. Obeying Jesus, Jesus' teachings leads to a faith, leads to faithful living. Amen? Amen. And then we saw session three, Jesus rules. Isn't that good to know? Yes. In a world where so many things and people are unruly, it's good to know that Jesus rules, right? Uh -huh. So we can put your, you can, you can trust Jesus in the storm. Yes. Regardless of how violent that storm is. And then session four, last week we saw that Jesus saves. And that's good to know because there are many of us here today who have some people who we need Jesus to save. Some people who we don't even know. But we know how they behave. And we know we know that when Jesus saves them, they can behave differently. Oh yeah. Alright, so Jesus saves. Point being, Jesus was born to bring us into a relationship with God. Okay, so today we're looking at Jesus heals. And who, oh, who doesn't yes. need healing? Yeah, oh, we all do. We all do at some particular in some particular way, right? Mm. Jesus heals. Uh, let's look then at the first question that we have. Page forty-five. <laughs> and what are some home remedies you rely on when you're sick? I think that's number one. Sorosy, aloe, fever grass, moringa, lemon and honey, neem. What's that one? Neem. Okay. You've heard that one before. Butter, salt, onion, and lime. Butter, salt, onion, and lime. Castor oil. That ain't no home remedy, man. That's over the counter. Castor oil? Sour, salt, leaf. Sour, salt, leaf. Pepper, leaf. Okay. Running, Charlie. Running Charlie. What is that? Never heard of that one. Running Charlie. Okay. Okay. What what were some of what were some of the remedies that your your parents depended on back in the day? Sorosy. Sorosy, right? Yeah. Sorosy. and Sorosy. Bajorina. I've heard that one in a while. Yeah. Bajorina and Sorosy. Yeah. All right. Let's look at Bible meets life. When it comes to pain and illness. Many of us fall into one of three categories. Call the doctor immediately, try our own home remedies or over-the-counter solutions, or ignore it and hope it goes away. I fell into the third group when I started suffering from heartburn and stomach pain. But after the pain had gone on far too long, I finally went to the doctor. After several rounds of treatments and tests, 
The doctor announced I had several things wrong. A hiatal hernia, severe acid reflux, and a precancerous condition in my esophagus. For months, I followed the doctor's instructions, but I finally made another decision. I asked others to pray for me, and they did. A short time later, the doctor told me, Robbie, you've done everything I've asked you to, but I'm still amazed. Your esophagus is just fine. It hit me. Calling on the Lord should have been the first thing I did. The Gospel of Mark records the story of a man who needed medical help for his daughter, a man who wisely went to Jesus. As we explore his story, we'll see the incredible result of his faith. Okay. I'm sure we've heard that story many times in different versions, right? Yes. What's the point? The point is, Jesus brings healing to our lives. Okay, Jesus brings healing into our lives, and he uses various ways to do that. Okay, he uses doctors sometimes, and then he uses, uh, he does it in a miraculous way sometimes. Uh, where he says, uh, you know, I t I'll deal with this one myself. That's right, that's glory. But God is the one who does the healing. All right, let's look at our first paragraph. Um, Mark chapter 5, verse 22 to 24, or page 47. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, My little daughter is dying. Come and lay hands on her. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was calling and pressing against him. Okay, stop right there. Um, the setting uh, for our study today, after Jesus had calmed the storm, we saw that in Mark chapter 4, he again displayed his power and authority in the land of Gerasenes. In this predominantly Gentile region, he was confronted by a demon-possessed man who lived among the tombs. Jesus exercised a host of demons from the man leading the fearful local residents to insist that he leave. We saw that in chapter 5 of Mark. When he arrived on the other side of the lake, Jesus encountered a synagogue leader who desperately needed power over sickness and disease. And that's the story we're looking at now in our text. So let's look at uh, the paragraphs here. <laughs> Jairus was a big deal in the community. Beyond the temple in Jerusalem, the local synagogue was the center of community life. As one of the synagogue leaders, Jairus had responsibilities in leading worship and instruction, which made him one of the highest ranking leaders in his town. This text is shocking then, when it describes Jairus with a large crowd watching, falling at Jesus' feet and begging for help. In the first century, a Middle Eastern man in a high position carried himself with the utmost dignity at all times. Such a man would never make himself a public spectacle, yet Jairus didn't care that a large crowd had gathered around Jesus. Neither did he care that Jesus was unpopular with the religious elite. 
All he knew was Jesus had the ability to heal people, and Jesus was his last shot. Jairus knew where his hope lay. He understood what was important and what was not. Jairus begged one thing, my little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. Jairus was facing something he absolutely could not control. His daughter's life was entirely out of his hands and it was tearing him apart. Just because the situation was out of Jairus' hands doesn't mean he had no hope. On the contrary, he knew precisely where he could place that hope, in the hands of the healer. He didn't ask Jesus to come and try to heal his daughter. His words were full of certainty. He said, lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. The emphasis was added. Many of us initially approach Christ in the same way. We come out of desperation, but only after we've tried all human possibilities for belief. When all else fails and mm. <laughs> instructions and re-instructions. <laughs> we are desperate for healing, restoration, direction, purpose, identity, or freedom from the bondage of sin and addiction. Whatever the source of our desperation, we look to Jesus for help. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't turn us away. He comes when we seek him, even as he did with Jairus. He looks on us with compassion and meets us where we are. Okay. He looks on us with compassion and meets us where we are. We're going to first two paragraphs again there. Okay. First two paragraphs. Jairus was a big deal in the community. You could say he was a big shot. In the islands, a person in this position, they would call him a mayor. Yeah. All right. Beyond the temple in Jerusalem, the local synagogue was the center of community life. As one of the synagogue's leaders, Jairus had responsibilities for leading worship and instruction, which made him one of the highest ranking leaders in town. And that's why this text is shocking. Then when he describes Jairus with a large crowd watching, falling at Jesus' feet and begging for help. A person in this position would never, ever, ever, ever stoop to that level. That's the point the passage is making here. All right? But he didn't care what people thought about him when it came to his precious little girl. Many parents are like that, right? They don't care what people think or say. When it comes to their precious little children, they'll do anything. Doesn't matter how it makes them look. In the first century, a Middle Eastern man in high position carried himself with utmost dignity at all times. Such a man would never make himself a public spectacle. Yet Jairus didn't care that a large crowd had gathered around Jesus. Neither did he care that Jesus was unpopular with the religious elite. Right? All he knew was that Jesus had the ability, he believed. Yes. He was a believer. He believed that Jesus had the capability of doing what he needed done for him. And so he believed that Jesus had the ability to heal people. And Jesus was his last shot. Jairus knew there was hope, where his hope lay. And he understood what was important and what was not. What was important for him was trusting Jesus to heal his daughters. What was not important was, didn't matter how people thought about him. Didn't matter how people looked at him. Okay, that didn't bother him at all. He didn't care. 
All right, uh, let's look at uh, um, he begged. How does he beg Jesus? Many, many of us initially approach Jesus in the same way when, it, when we come out of desperation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But only if we've tried all the human possibilities for relief. Everything else fails. We are desperate for healing, restoration, direction, purpose, identity, or freedom from the bondage of sin and addiction. Whatever the source of our desperation, we look to Jesus for help. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't turn us away, does he? No, he doesn't. No way. He comes when we seek him, even as he did with Jairus. And he knew all about Jairus. He knew what kind of man he was. He looks on us with compassion and meets us where we are, exactly where we are. Okay, question number two. What are some common obstacles that keep us from turning to Jesus with our needs? Pride. Pride is one of them, right? I think that's the major one? Tough one. Right, okay. Lack of belief? All right. What else? We can handle the situation ourselves. Self-sufficiency. Oh, I can take care of this. I got this. Yeah, I got this. I wanted another Impatience, right. We live in an instant age. We want it yesterday. Nobody's help. Okay. Huh? Nobody's help. Don't need nobody's help. Okay. Okay, we're jumping ahead to look at verse 35 to 40. In doing so, we'll see not one, but... Two surprising developments occur regarding Jairus' little girl. So let's look at those passages. Uh, 35 to 40. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. They came to the leader's house and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, but he put them, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Continue reading. Jairus' daughter, his only child. See Luke 8, 42. Anybody got that? Yeah, anybody have that verse? Luke 8, 8, 42? For he had one only daughter. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age. And she lay a dying, but as he went, the people would tell him. Okay. So the verse tells us that he had only one daughter. Didn't have any other children. Only child. All right, an only child. Continue. Jairus' daughter's only child wasn't just sick. She was moments away from death. Surely Jairus had exhausted the resources that were available to him. Every doctor in town, every religious ritual, and every home remedy had proven ineffective. Going to a mysterious rabbi purported to have, healing, to have healing abilities might have been a last-ditch effort, but he had heard enough to make him believe. Then came the terrible news, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? 
this wasn't the only time Jar this wasn't the only time Jesus time seemed to be off in a dire situation. Toward the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus' friend Lazarus was sick and dying. When Jesus received word that Lazarus was sick, he remained where he was two more days before heading to see him. Okay, John let's, 11, 1 to yeah, 7. Yeah, let's look at uh, that story. Someone got it? I got it. Go ahead. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with the ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, Behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Thus he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. Okay, good. Continue. In both cases, the death of Lazarus and the death of Jairus' daughter, it seemed that Jesus was too late. In reality, he was right on time. Sometimes we may find ourselves in difficult or even tragic situations. When that happens, we want Jesus to respond on our terms and in our time. Of course, it doesn't work that way. We need to remember that all of our experiences are divinely orchestrated by God to display his glory. We may see a delay with irreversible consequences, but Jesus does not. Resuscitating a dead person, resuscitating a dead person was no harder for the Son of God, the creator of the universe, than healing even a minor illness. We may not understand why God delays at times, but we can trust that he always works to bring glory to himself. When they arrived at Jairus' house, grief and mourning had already filled the place. Everything seemed wrong to those mourning, but everything was right in the eyes of the Son of God. Over the sound of mourners, heavy with despair of loss, Jesus spoke incredulous, powerful words of comfort. The child is not dead, but asleep. For the author of life, raising the dead was as simple as waking a ch small child from sleep. Okay. Um, notice um, the first two paragraphs again. She was an only child of the sick, Jairus' daughter. Notice he had exhausted all the other resources that were available to him. 
So he went everywhere. Every doctor in town, every religious ritual, every home remedy, everything had proven ineffective. Going to a mysterious rabbi purported to have healing abilities might have been a last-ditch effort, but he'd heard enough to make him believe. Then came the terrible news. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher any longer? But there's something else here we notice in this pa pa paragraph, in this passage. Um, it talks about why God heals. Why does God heal? To get glory. To get glory. So how many times have we prayed for healing without even the slightest thought that I want God to get glory out of this? It says here that we are often selfish when we pray, right? Yeah. We only think so. about ourselves. Yeah. Lord, get me out of this mess that I'm in. Please deliver me. Mm -hmm. It's never a thought of, Lord, get glory out of my healing. Yeah. All right? But God always uh, wants to get the glory. Why do you think that's the case? Why? That God wants to get the glory. Huh? Oh, okay. Hold on. I mean, it's a way of spreading the message to give people that and tell them that, okay, this is what happened to me, so you could use that in faith. Okay, it's a testimony testifying about God's ability and his ableness. So that they would all things were made by him and for his good pleasure. Exactly. All things were made and all for his good all for his glory. Everything that happens is supposed to be done for the glory of God. What does the word say? Whatever you do in word or, do, or thought, do it all to the glory, glory of God. All right? And even got to go a little further than that because the ten lepers, they asked for healing. They'd be clean. Mm -hmm. One came back and says, Thank you, Lord. He asked, what happened to the rest of the nine? They were so glad they were so <laughs> He said that he thought that they would come out and give glory to God. They were in, so, yeah. ungrateful. Right, that's a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a problem that God has always had with his people, right? Yeah. God's biggest problem with his people was ingratitude. Yes. From the children of Israel going through the wilderness. Yeah. God would bless them today yeah. and something went wrong tomorrow and they complain. complain like they never got a blessing from God. That's right. That's the was a lesson within them not coming back that you can learn from. Mm -hmm. Question number three. What have you learned in recent years about trusting God? Yes, never fail. He is trustworthy. Huh? He is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. He is real and true. He is real and true. Never fails. He never fails. Never gets tired. He never gets tired. He's right on time. And is always on time. That's right. Never leave us or forsake us. It's truly worth the wait. It's worth the wait. Okay. And he always does it in his time. Yes. He always works. And he's never rushed. He can't rush God. No. A lot of people want to rush him. Yes. Okay, he works in his own time. The story of Lazarus. Mm -hmm. He was not to be rushed. No. So after they got he got the news, he stayed there a couple more days. Sure because he had his agenda. <laughs> and he's omniscient. Oh, yeah. And he's all powerful. Alright, and he wanted to know he, he wanted his disciples to see something that they'd never seen before. Him raising Lazarus from, from the, the dead. dead. 
regardless of how long he had been dead. Because you know there were skeptics who would say, well, well he wasn't dead, he was just unconscious. But he made sure. You know, he made sure that he stayed long enough for them to bury him. For him to stink. And for him to stink, to start to decay. <laughs> so that nobody could say, oh, he really wasn't dead. What about that scent? Where do you think he's coming from? Okay? Dead all right, so, okay, we have uh, the activity, I know Starry did that, right? Oh, yes! <laughs> okay, what do you say? Okay, what is the, okay. Uh, prayer is the most common way we ask Jesus to bring healing into our lives. But we often forget to look back at the results of our prayers. Use the chart below to record five important requests you have made of God in recent months. In addition, record the ways in which God has responded to those requests so far. Could be you've been praying for something for months or years. Anybody? Yes, salvation for others. Salvation for others, okay. That's pending. That's pending, all right. Uh -huh. God, still working on that one. Yeah, still working on that one. Okay. Number two? Uh, healing. Healing, okay. Mm -hmm. Not quite there yet, but getting He's working there. on that one too. Yeah. Oh. Three? Finances. Mm-hmm. You're working on that too. Okay. okay. All right. Three, four? Uh, he uh, healed my sister, so that was victorious. Okay. Because that was unbelievable. All right, that's done. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Number right. five? Financial opportunities directing us to investment. Okay. That's pending too. Yeah, that's pending too. Okay, all right. Good. All right, anybody else? Yes. Um, I started praying um, the, what, for Mrs. Lee, like many others, mm -hmm. Rosie Roberts' sister. When she first went in the hospital for her back surgery, and she was put off and put off and put off, and she went through such a sojourn of 102 days until the Lord gave her perfect healing wow. by taking her home. Wow! But He didn't give her perfect healing here on Earth. But He really took her through, you know, feeling better and then feeling really bad and feeling better and then a little worse and. There was such up and downness to her mm -hmm. whole time of a hundred, two days in a row in that hospital. Yeah, that's a long time. But yeah. God was faithful in her mm -hmm. spirit. He kept her spirit mm -hmm. uh, alive, uh, buoyant, mm -hmm. and grateful and praising Him. And you can tell that God is working in the life of a person when they're still on their sick body and they're praising and rejoicing God in the midst of what they're going through. Yes. That tells you God is working. Yes. Okay. Okay, anybody else? I was praying for something um, for the past six years, and this year I see God came through for me. Okay, good. All right, when has God answered your prayer in a way that led to rejoicing? All the time. <laughs> okay. Could, could we have one specific event where uh, God answered your prayer and you just burst in rejoicing and couldn't control yourself? That ever happened? Yeah. Any particular event? When he gave me the inner strength to care for my first husband and my grandmother. Mm. And... Like uh, Sister Beth said, he took them home because he knew that it would be 
too much mm-hmm. for me to bear. Mm-hmm. So that was a rejoicing. Okay. A sad rejoicing, but it was rejoicing. Mm-hmm. You know, Brother Brandy, I actually said, Yay! Thank you, Lord, when I found out about Thaddeus's job. <laughs> I was so excited because I had been praying faithfully that God mm-hmm. would provide just the right job at the right time. Yeah. And yeah. that was so sweet of the Lord. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, I jumped from, for joy too. Yeah, he got back from. You know, uh, taking pictures in Hawaii for Luke and Michelle's wedding. And the next day is when he got to start his new job. Yeah, hit the ground running. Christina told me today that Thaddeus said it was obvious to him right away that everything that God has let Thaddeus learn up until this point in his life, he needed to bring to this job. He was so elated. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing how God works. Yeah, it's amazing how God works. Uh, Excuse me. Excuse me, can you know the detail? Which job? Oh, you wasn't here. Okay, he, um, the Fusion Superplex on the highway, Gladstone Road and, and oh, highway. Okay, okay. It's a, it's a, it's a multi, whatever theater, right, educational right. program, all kinds of stuff. And, um, he applied and when he went into the interview and it, during the course of the interview, he had about two or three interviewers and he said, the people told him, said, you know, we don't know where to put you because you, you know so much oh, for your oh, age. <laughs> you know, he says, we, we, we kind of, you know, we have this position, but, you know, you can fill that, but you can do this too. And, and so we don't know exactly where to put you. And, and it went on and they finally went on and, and um, they finally they said, okay, um, you come in and sign the contract. You know, and so I, I asked him, what was his job title? And he says, audio visual technical specialist. I said, wow, <laughs> they finally came up with something, right? But I was excited. I think I was more excited than he was when I heard it. But that was one of the occasions where you jump with joy, you know, because you know, you've been praying, you're praying, praying, praying. And, uh, and I, when I talked to him, uh, no, my wife said she spoke with him uh, after they got back. And he said, uh, when they got back, he had to, go to work the next day, hit the ground, in, hadn't, hadn't had a chance to really unpack and everything, but uh, he said it was, the first day was great, was the way he described it. Wow. So we praise the Lord for that. Uh, I understand the place is still behind schedule in terms of opening. So they're looking at opening, I think, late summer. Uh, he says, but it's going to be a, an interesting place. And just like a lot of young people involved too, they, they're like heading it with a lot of really young people. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, as we conclude with verse 41 to 43, we will see an exciting example of the way Jesus can bring healing in our lives. So let's look at that last passage we have. 41 to 43. Someone go ahead and read. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kong, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, at this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Continue. Even in the first century, people knew what a dead person looked like. They didn't have the scientific instruments we possess today. But as people looked down at Jairus' daughter, they knew she was devoid of any life. 
So when an interrogant rabbi walked in and said, the child is not dead, but asleep, Mark 5 and 39, they may have thought he was making a cruel joke. But Jesus knew the miracle he was about to perform. Jesus took the disciples who had accompanied him along with, along with the child's parents into the room with the dead girl. There, he did something that may have seemed quite unremarkable. Jesus merely took the child, Jesus merely took the girl by the hand and said, little girl, I say to you, get up. No magic words, no incantations, no mystical potions. Jesus' words were all that was needed. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. The only one able to bring a dead body back to life is the one who instills life in the first place. Amen. The only one able to bring a dead body back to life is the one who instills life in the first place. If Jesus is able to give and restore life, he surely can be fully trusted to handle any situation we face. Jesus didn't raise this young girl simply because she died. Other people died in the towns where Jesus ministered, yet he didn't bring them all back to life. The Gospels only record two other instances when Jesus resuscitated a dead person. See Luke 7, 11 to 15, and John 11, 38 to 44. Someone has that? Someone have those verses? Okay, uh, I got uh, Luke 7, 11 to 15. Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and he said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Okay, the other passage. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was the cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. How much time? Okay. 44. Um, when he had said this, Jesus said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Okay, continue. We may wonder why he didn't raise more, but we know that Jesus purposed to do precisely those things that would bring him glory. Our lives will also be hit with misfortunes and mishaps, and we won't always know why. In fact, we very often won't know why. But before we jump to conclusions, let's trust the one who is in control of every situation. He will bring healing in his time, 
and in his way and for his glory. Okay, let's remember a couple of points, three points. Even in the first century, people knew that a dead person, what a dead person looked like. Okay? The characteristics of the dead haven't changed. All right? People can always tell what a dead person looked like. Okay? And then uh, the second point, the only one able to bring the, a dead back to life is the one who instills life in the first place. If Jesus is able to give and restore life, he can surely be fully trusted to handle any situation we face. We don't think about that, do we? No. When we face a situation in our lives, do we think of the fact that, well, Jesus can bring the dead back to life. Certainly this is a piece of cake for him. All right? We don't think that way. And then the third point is our lives will, be, will also be hit with misfortunes and mishaps. And we won't always know why. In fact, we very often won't know why. But before we jump to conclusions, let's trust the one who is in control of every situation. He is sovereign. Yes. He will bring healing in his time and in his way and for his glory. Yes. All right? Three points we need to make very clear. In his time, in his way, and for his glory. God doesn't need any instructions. Nope. Question number four. How has Jesus brought healing into your life? Anybody? No, restoration. Restoration, okay. By prayer. By prayer, through prayer, okay. Through, through faith and trust and belief. Okay, faith and trust and belief. And okay. his lifeblood mm -hmm. that he gave for the sins of the entire human race. Mm -hmm. um, and once one experienced that, mm -hmm. then what a greater experience than anyone could experience. Okay. Question number five. Hope as well. Hmm? The fact that you have hope. Hope? Mm -hmm. Okay. What are? What are practical ways we can support those waiting for God's healing? Prayer. Prayer. Pray yeah. for them? Pray with them, not mm -hmm. just for them, yeah. apart mm -hmm. from them. Pray right. with Good. them. Pray with them. Visitation. Remember, the key word here is practical. Practical ways. And one practical way is to get sit down with the person and pray with them. Don't tell them, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. And you know, I had a missionary guy, uh, if you run to them in the grocery store walking through the aisle shopping and you ask him to pray for you, he says, okay, let's pray right now. And he stopped right in the middle of the aisle and he prayed for you right there. Yes. Okay, because sometimes people only say, pray, I'll pray for you to get rid of you. But at least if you took the time to go to their home or something, yes. at least they know that you care mm -hmm. enough to come too. Mm -hmm. yes. But you could also remind them of God's promises. I'll never leave you or forsake you and the other promises too. Mm -hmm. He's got to be there for you. He's just not going to leave you hanging. That's right. So, you can send them cards. Yes. You, can, you can make them something. You can just visibly, you know, give them... Give, give Sister Brenda a little cake mm -hmm. that cake. tells her you love her and you're remembering her, you're praying for her and Chris. Something right. like that. Just That's right. The key is practical. Yes. Okay? You do something for them. Okay? Give them something. Help them with something. Do something for them that they can't do. If they're sick and there's something they can't do for themselves, then do it for them. 
practical. But is the key. Take them around too. They need errands done. Maybe go right run errands for them. Just sit with them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just be there. Be a presence. Yeah, a physical cool. presence. That's what I do. Okay. Yeah. Good. Relatives and old folks home. Sometimes I just don't drop the things off. I just sit down and mm -hmm. you know spend some time with them. Mm -hmm. Right. So the point is. Jesus brings healing to our lives. Jesus brings healing to our lives. How do we flesh this out? How do we live it out? How can we actively trust Christ this week? Consider doing one of the following in the days to come. Pray deeply. What are you going through that seems beyond hope? Go to Jesus in prayer and give your situation to him. Pour out your thoughts, emotions, confusion, doubts, and anything else. Listen for God's response. Trust fully. God doesn't always work according to our timetables, but we can trust that he will do what's best. As you pray fervently, express your trust that he will answer out of his great love and power and then provide generously. Find someone in your community who has a need they cannot meet on their own. Let God use you and your group as a channel through which he works, giving glory to him in the process. Okay, three things. Pray deeply, trust fully, and provide generously. You can pick one or you can do all three. Doctors are a wonderful part of our modern society. We should all use them as often as necessary. More importantly, we should seek help and healing from our Creator in every circumstance. You know doctors today are also now relying on prayer? Yes. Yeah. I think in our society here, more than I would say in the North American um, mm -hmm. continent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Doctors are saying to people now, pray. Yeah, There's only so much we can do. do. That's right. Brother Randy, sorry, very quickly, while I was in the hospital, the doctor was going to operate on my knee. Came in and prayed, and he's, he's, these are the things he said that he says the Lord is the physician, not him. That's right. He said the Lord guides his hands. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not him. That's right. You know, I had an experience when I was younger. I used to have asthma. Uh, I grew up at asthma all my childhood. And one time I had a, an attack that was more severe than all that I ever had, and I ended up in the hospital. First time. And while I was in the hospital, these women came around, they visited us, and they were going from bed to bed praying for people. And this lady came, and they prayed for me, and they said to me, you're not going to have asthma anymore. And they prayed for me. And it happened. Wow. When I left the hospital, I never had another attack of asthma in my life. Wow. That's what prayer does. Yes. And that's the, that was their ministry. They went, from, they went from bed to bed praying for people. Yeah. So pray deeply.